0: You know, the Word of God says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. And he says to rejoice in the Lord always. But sometimes, being real honest about it, it's real hard to rejoice. Amen. Sometimes when you look at the the dark things that are going on in the world, when you look at the trials of our life, when you look at uh, sin running rampant, it's hard to rejoice. It's hard to be happy. It's hard to be glad. And When you think about the sexual immorality that's going on, and the hatred, and the bitterness, and the murder that's going on, it's hard sometimes to lift yourself up and walk in the spirit of God and always be happy. I'm just keeping it real with you. It's not always a smile because the enemy is busy. He never stops. But this is nothing new. You see, this is nothing new under the sun because when you look at it, It started with Adam and Eve. They were the ones that set the course for all mankind, and they were the first two people created by God, and they were living in luxury, living in paradise, but yet, their choice has forever broken the bond between us and God. Their choice has forever changed the human condition. So today, as we walk through this scripture, it's it's going to be a history lesson. It's going to be looking at our history. It's going to be looking at a true, accurate record of where it all started. It's going to help us to understand our own heart, our own condition, and, and why the world seems so crazy right now. It's hard when you listen to the news, and it's so negative all the time. So much prejudice and bitterness and hatred, and it's hard. But there was one good piece of news this week, and I I just kind of give God some praise for that. That was those children in that coach coming out of the cave, amen? That was nobody but God that did that. And it was a miracle unto itself. But every day is not like that. Every day we're faced with Satan trying to destroy us and take us down. So we're gonna have a history lesson. We're gonna go back and find out where it all started. Find out how we got to where we are today. And as the saying goes, those that don't understand their history are what? Doomed to repeat it. So we're gonna explore this text that believing in faith that it is truly an accurate account of the word of God. It is truly what happened to us at the beginning when our forefathers decided on the choices that they made, so let us pray. God, we just thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor, O oh God. We ask you now, O oh Lord, that you would move your servant aside, O oh God. That you would speak through me as a willing vessel, O oh Lord. We ask you now, O oh God, that you would fill this place with your glory, God. That we would feel the presence of your Holy Spirit like never before, O oh God. And that you, God, would speak to our hearts, O God. Let your word fall on fertile soil, O Lord. That our hearts would be churned and changed and turned towards you, O God. Have your way in our souls and use us for your glory, God. As this word go forth, O God, let us be attentive to the word that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. We say amen. Amen. So today's scripture, we're going to be walking through Genesis 3, 1 through 13. And it's about the fall. And uh, as I said earlier, when, I, when we gave out the assignments for the preaching schedule for the summer, you know, I had to say to Keith, why do I have to preach about the fall? You know what I mean? It's, it's, can not you have picked someone else to talk about sin? And the weight of sin, it's, it, it's not an easy topic. We wanna to avoid talking about sin. We, we talk about love a lot. We talk about the greatness of God. We talk about the spirit, but we don't talk a lot about sin. So yes, it's a heavy topic, but it's well needed. So this word today, let me just read through it. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who also was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool day, cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid, I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then The Lord God said to the woman, what is that that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Today's sermon is titled, It's Your Choice. It's your choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. We have a choice. As we walk through this text, we'll be looking at the choice that Adam and Eve made. We'll be looking at what led to those choices. We'll also look at the consequences of the choices. Everyone knows that every sin has consequences. And finally, we'll look at what choices we have today. Because the enemy is still roaming to and fro, seeking who he can devour. But before we walk through the text, let me just set the picture and remind us of what's going on. Because it's easy to forget that before the conversation with Satan, Adam and Eve had a life of luxury. They were living in paradise. God had supplied everything that they would ever need. He even gave them authority over all the animals, authority over all the earth. And all he told them was one commandment. And that commandment was was in Genesis 2, 16, 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And also in Genesis 2-9, he tells us, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Two trees in the midst of a garden, two choices to make, one commandment to obey, one consequence to avoid. It was the choice that Adam and Eve had before them. So here comes Satan, the tempter, seeking to seduce Eve. His intentions were very subtle and deceptive, and he is the craftiest beast of all. And he only seeks to have a little conversation with Eve. Eve. Just enough conversation about the Word of God to be able to plant seeds of doubt. Just enough conversation to creep into her thinking and make her think twice about God's motives. You see, Satan doesn't come to us with a bullhorn and a placard and a big sign saying, I've come to kill you. I've come to sift you as wheat. That's not his program. He's gentle, subtle, crafty, cunning. He didn't even want Eve to know who he really was. So he came in the guise of a serpent. And what does he do when he gets there? He says, he intentionally twisted the word of God, as he still does today, hoping that Eve would be lured further into his trap. He says to Eve, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? see, the question sounded innocent enough. But Satan's motives, his motives were not pure. Eve, in her haste to respond, neglects any thoughtfulness about who she's dealing with and, and what's really happening. And you know, sometimes when you're talking to people, you have to understand what's their motive. Sometimes they're coming at you and it looks innocent, but their motives are not pure. Eve never stopped to think, what's wrong with this picture? I have a talking serpent talking to me about God. Even if she hesitated for a moment and gave the situation just an ounce of thought, maybe, just maybe, she would have turned to Adam and said, Adam, you know, God, God gave you the opportunity to name all the creatures here that he created. Which one is this? But heaven forbid she would ask her husband, right? No, it goes both ways. We don't ask either, so. You see, when things don't seem natural, maybe there's something supernatural going on behind the scenes. When things are unnatural, you have to be aware of the spiritual things that are happening around you. There's something that goes off in you that you can reject or, or embrace that says something is not right. But Eve chose to ignore that. Instead of, instead of rebuking Satan and for the way he was twisting God's word, what did she do? She says, no, let me give you my version of what God said. God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die you see eve herself distorted god's word god didn't say anything about touching the tree of knowledge of good and evil he didn't say lest you die he said if you do it you will surely die now either eve didn't know the word or she intentionally changed the word either one is a problem because if she didn't know the word where was adam Adam got the word first from God in the garden. So how come he didn't teach his wife? How come he didn't protect his wife? How come he didn't show her what God really said? Man, it's our responsibility to look over our wives, to protect them, to teach them. Adam had shirked that. And if she intentionally inserted her own words, maybe she was trying to soften the curse just a little bit. Maybe she's enjoying the conversation a little bit too much, so therefore I'm going to push aside, surely you will die, lest you die. But you see, the serpent knew God's word, because this is what he said. Eve, he said to say, surely you won't die, for God knows that when you eat, of your, eat, eat the fruit, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And what was her response? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Again, Satan planting the seeds of doubt, seeds of discord. He's he's telling Eve, if you just take one bite... You'll get to be like God. If you just just listen to what I'm telling you, uh, maybe you're not satisfied with your current condition. Maybe you're not happy about all that God has given you. Maybe you want something better for your life. If you just disobey God here, he'll give that to you. Let me convince you that there's something more, that what you have is not enough. Satan always tries to tell us that what we have is not enough. He always tries to convince us that there's something better, something more. When we should be finding our satisfaction completely in the Lord. But he's planting these seeds of doubt. He said, your eyes will be open and you'll be wise like God, free from God's rule." lies 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 and more lies half-truths satan is a liar and a thief that's his job but none of this seemed to slow eve down she looked at what she saw and it was good for food pleasing to the eye and satan had promised that it would make her wise You see, she gave no thought at all to the abundant life that she already had. She gave no thought at all to what she was ready to give up if she crosses that line. Sometimes we have to stop and reflect before we make that choice. What are we really giving up? She gave no thought to the relationships that were going to be damaged by her choice. She gave no thought the promise of death that would occur how it would affect her offspring no consideration was given to the fact that the glory that she now bathed in would be lost so Eve ate the forbidden fruit and gave some to Adam who was with her Adam who was with her Adam, who was right there with her. Why would Adam allow that conversation to take place? Adam had been put in charge of the garden. He was assigned to be the keeper. That didn't just mean go out and labor every day. That didn't just mean go out and till the soil every day. That meant he was responsible for the spiritual well-being of his home. Just as we are, as men, responsible for the spiritual well-being that takes place to protect our wives. Yet both of them succumbed to the temptation to fulfill their physical desires, the temptation which is, would fill their eyes with lust, and, and the temptation to desire to be like God, not realizing that God's commandment was there to protect them, not focusing in on the fact that in the midst of the garden there were two trees, one that gives life and one that gives death. This was a test of our free will. A test of the free will that God had given them to say, it's your choice. Adam and Eve, will you choose life or will you choose death? Adam and Eve chose death. Now they have to deal with the consequences. Now they have to deal with the consequences of disobedience. The consequences of not... Loving God more than they loved themselves. Verse seven says, "Then their eyes were of uh, both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths." Just as Satan said, their eyes would be open. It did happen, but what they saw was not what they expected. They expected to see an abundance of wisdom. Instead, what they saw was their own disobedience, their own nakedness, a new sense of immorality, their nudity now revealed. You see, Satan's lies always come with a false promise. He promised you gold when it turns into fool's gold. He promises you happiness when you decide to move outside of a relationship only to find that that's death and not life what they saw was their guilt and shame how their longing to be like God had separated them from God and it left them trying to replace God's covering with mere fig leaves worrying more about their external appearance than the condition of their own heart using fig leaves to try to cover up their sin when in fact what needed to change was what was on the inside. It left them being very conscious of what they gave up and what they lost. Their belief in Satan's half-truth had stripped them of all their glory and had permanently destroyed the purity of their relationship with God. They chose death and not life. In that verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. So first, when we sin, we try to cover it up. We try to cover it up in the craziest kind of ways ways that most people close to us can already see that we're walking in sin. And then we decide we're going to hide from God. How can people who have lived in the presence of God all their life think that they can hide their sin from an all-knowing God? We can't hide from God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. God knows our hearts. So we can't hide from him. But the weight of the shame and the guilt that Adam and Eve were experiencing, they did not want to face God. Sin had now separated them from God. And the legacy of inherited guilt that we now carry was established. The choice of death over life created an everlasting void in the hearts of men. So when you feel this yearning, when you feel this emptiness, this is where it started. It's the void that got created because God is not with us the way we were. So now, only God can fill the void. But you see, this is the great God that we serve. Adam's hiding in the bushes. God already knows he's hiding. He already knows what's happening, but God didn't leave him in shame. He didn't leave him in guilt. Instead, God came searching for Adam. He came looking for him. Verse 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard a sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to? You see, God asked Adam these questions. He asked him these questions, where are you? He asked him, "Uh, who told you you were naked? He asked him, have you broken my command? He asked the questions progressively to say to Adam, not in judgment, but he was calling them out of hiding. Adam, where are you? You don't have to hide from me. Adam, where are you? I know you're afraid. I know fear has set in, but because of your sin, don't let that separate you from us, us from you. Now Adam only knew the separation. He was too fearful and shameful to come out from hiding. But God was still there, and he's still here today, saying, Adam, where are you? You still have a choice to make. You don't have to stay in that place. Adam, we used to talk together. Adam, we used to walk together. Adam, I'm still concerned about you. Adam, I still, I'm still interested in your well-being. Adam, will you put yourself aside and come home? But you see, what God had done for Adam in the Garden of Eden was not enough. The experience that Adam had with God's love was not enough. Adam was so broken, his trust was so, trust was so broken that the heart was so broken that he couldn't find his way back to God. So instead of Adam and Eve confessing what they had did, they began to play the blame game. Adam, to the point of blaming God for that woman he gave him. And Eve, for pawning her problems off on Satan. There was no confession, no repentance, no acknowledgement of their personal guilt, no responsibility at all. That was the choice that they made. That was the choice that Adam and Eve made, and that's why we are where we are today. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Are we stuck in this habitual cycle of sin? Are we, are we destined to repeat ourselves over and over again? See, Satan is still wandering around who he can destroy. He's still seeking who he can devour, so that hasn't changed. But what are our choices that we can make today? What, can, what differences can we make today? Do we have to follow the same pattern of Adam and Eve? Or can we make a different choice? Can we learn from their encounter what Satan did? We are in a spiritual war, so we have to use spiritual weapons. We can choose life and not death. Eve put herself in a position to be tempted, and Adam was there with her. They should have been about the father's business, but guess what? They were there listening to the enemy. God had said to Adam, I'm putting you here to work the ground. I'm putting you here to take care of the garden. So why was he having this conversation with Satan when he was not doing what God told him to do? Sometimes we, too, have to make sure that we're lined up with God's purpose and doing God's will and doing the things he asked us to do. Otherwise, we make ourselves vulnerable to what Satan would do to us. In addition, we have to be mindful of the company we keep. Here they are, the three of them, Adam and Eve and Satan, having a great conversation. What business has evil got to do with righteousness? You see, we might have some good friends, but they may not be good for us. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be deceived, your bad company ruins good morals. You see, the tricks of the adversary has not changed. He still tries to make us question God's word. He still tries to make us conform the word of God to our desires versus conforming our desires to God's word. That is why, unlike Eve, we have to know the word for ourselves. When Satan tempted Jesus when he was weak and from fasting in the wilderness, Satan came to him with the word and distorted it. But Jesus spoke the word back to him. And the devil had to leave. Second Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who is not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to know the word of God for ourselves. That is our protection. And we have to study the word. And we have to speak the word. The question is, what choice will we make? And yes, we still will be tempted. But God said, there is no temptation overtaking you that is, not uncommon, that is not common to man. Meaning a lot of us face the same kinds of things every day. But that word also says that God will give us a way out. There is an escape plan. When we find ourselves slipping into sin, there is an exit that God has shown us. When you feel yourself slipping into darkness, Rebuke that spirit of jealousy, that spirit of lust, that spirit of envy. Rebuke that spirit of sexual morality in the name of Jesus, because there's power in the name of Jesus. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself unto God. Resist the enemy, and he will flee. That is God's promise to us. If we resist the enemy, he will flee. We don't have to give in. We don't have to give up. We don't have to run away. We just need to stand firm in the word of God. Adam and Eve were not equipped or prepared for this war that's being waged against us. But we have the word of God to stand on. The word of God to help us defeat the enemy. The word of God to protect us, to be a hedge of protection around us. But we have to go into this battle dressed for the war. Ephesians 6 says this, He tells us to be strong in the Lord, put on the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. You can't go out half-dressed. You can't go out not meditating on the Lord. You can't go out not reading your word. You're basically susceptible, sitting ducks, waiting for Satan to destroy you. What choice will we make? What choice will you make? Sadly, some of us may find ourselves already already in this place of having fallen prey to the enemy. Some of us may already be in the grasp of disobedience, trying to use fig leaves to cover ourselves up, trying to use fig leaves to mask our image, trying to use fig leaves to disguise what we've done, living in fear of judgment from God. But the good news is God is still calling your name. He's not gonna leave you in that place. God is still calling out, Adam, where are you? Dave, where are you? He wants us each to examine ourselves and ensure that we're right with God. Where are you? So it's not over. God is saying it's all right to come out of hiding. I've sent my son Jesus to cover all your sins. God is saying, Adam, don't be afraid anymore. Jesus already paid the price. God is saying, Jesus already did it on the cross, so you don't have to cover up anymore. Second Peter 2 Peter 2.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, it's not over. God gives each one of us a choice. Will we walk in disobedience or will we walk in obedience? Will we choose life or will we choose death? The choice is ours. What will you choose? The word of God for the people of God. Amen.